Hey there, my name is Derek Duvall, and I'm the lead pastor of Awakened City Church in Harriman, Utah, a suburb of Salt Lake City. And I want to thank you for checking us out. Awakened City exists to connect people from all walks of life with the hope that's found in Jesus. And we hope that this message will be a blessing to you. For more information, you can visit awakenslc.com. If you have your Bibles with you, you can uh, go ahead and turn to Psalm 81, is where we're going to be this morning, Psalm 81. And uh, uh, as you already know, we've continued to walk through summer in the Psalms, and we are nearing the end of our series in Psalms. We're actually going to jump back into Galatians here in uh, about a month. And so we started Galatians at the beginning of the year, which seems like forever ago. Anybody else with me? Does January not feel like that was like 10 years ago? I mean, this has been the craziest, longest year it feels like ever. Uh, And so we will, we looked at Galatians 1 through 3. We took a break over the summer. And we'll jump back into Galatians chapter 4 through 6 and spend our fall uh, and a little bit into our winter looking and finishing up in uh, Galatians. And so again, Psalm 81 is where we are uh, today. And I have said over and over, I continue to remind you, if you've been a part uh, of the summer, that uh, the Psalms were written by God's people to remind us of who He is uh, and uh, to encourage our hearts to worship Him. And that's really our hope every single week is what we want to do. And so, uh, and just talking about being continually reminded on a typical year, our calendars are sprinkled all throughout the year with uh, yearly reminders, right? If you look on our calendars, they, they got wiped clean this year, but there's still those yearly reminders that happen. Uh, some of them are times of celebration, whether it's a birthday or an anniversary, or maybe it's a, just a yearly celebration of being, it's another year of sobriety, it's another year of uh, being cancer-free, and so we have those things which we remember every single year. But then sometimes, they're not necessarily celebrations, but they're just good yearly reminders, like a yearly reminder for a physical or checkup, or uh, just a yearly reminder to do some regular maintenance. But then sometimes those annual reminders are are not exactly celebrations, but times of great grief and heartache. Like maybe it's uh, that yearly reminder of a tragic incident, or it's the yearly reminder of some grief and, and, and a loss of a loved one. And so each of these yearly reminders, they bring up different uh, emotions in us. But God can use each of these to bring us to a greater dependence on Him and a greater love for Him. And so this morning, as we look at Psalm 81, uh, we're going to look at a psalm that centers around a yearly feast that was intended to remind God's people of both their rebellion against Him and to remind them of God's provision. And this feast that we're Uh, The context of the feast is the Feast of the Tabernacles. And now the Feast of the Tabernacles was a yearly feast, like I said, uh, that was intended to remind Israel, God's people, uh, of their time of wandering in the wilderness after they were freed from slavery uh, from the Egyptians. And to uh, maybe center us a little bit more, this comes right on the heels of uh, the Exodus, and you're familiar, most are probably familiar with the Exodus and the ten plagues and 
boils and gnats and frogs and the Nile River turning to blood. And then finally, uh, the last one is the every Egyptian family uh, lost a son and uh, their firstborn son until what happens at the end is Pharaoh chooses to free God's people, right? And so from there, after they're freed, they end up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years because of their uh, rebellious and stubborn hearts. But in that time of them uh, being freed from their slavery in Egypt, uh, they see God's amazing provision for them. And then from then on, every year, God asked them, or you could say God required them, to remember this wandering in the wilderness. Uh, and this time was during the Feast of the Tabernacle. So that sets the context for uh, what is being spoken about as we enter into Psalm 81. And so for our, for, for our short time this morning, uh, I just want to spend our time focusing on what's gone wrong and then how we can learn from the past mistakes of God's people. So after God uh, saves his people from this terrible slavery in Egypt, they're traveling through the wilderness. Uh, and don't think wilderness like forest wilderness. Think wilderness like a vast desert, right? So they're traveling through the wilderness. Uh, and while they're in the wilderness, they're, they're grumbling and complaining against God. And after a short period, they're already regretting that God has brought them out of slavery and wishing that they could then go back into the slavery, into Egypt, saying, well, at least we had food and something to drink when we were in slavery. I mean, this place stinks, right? Did God bring us out here to kill us? What's going on? So they're already grumbling and complaining. Isn't that so much like us? Well, we're so quick to forget God's goodness in our lives and, and to see the grass is always greener on the other side. And so God has rescued his people from this incredible op oppression He's promised them great prosperity, and they respond with complaining and rebellion. And in Psalm 81, verses 11 and 12, God says, But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me, so I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsel. And so here's what's so amazing and confusing about this. How could they, after just seeing God work and in such miraculous ways, refuse to listen to and submit to God? They had just seen him part the Red Sea, and they walked across on dry ground. They had just witnessed the plagues in Egypt. Uh, they had just seen him provide food uh, through bread, literally, that just showed up every morning. They had seen God provide water through Moses striking a rock, and water just comes out of it. Yet, they were so quick to forget all that he had done and his provision and his goodness toward them. And so as time goes on and stress and fear rise and the uneasiness of being in an unfamiliar territory crept in, manna and quail got old, they refused to listen to God and they turned against him in their hearts. And verse 12 tells us that God let them have their way. Now that's, that's really scary stuff. And we're going to get there in just a minute. But why would they refuse to listen to God? We find our answer in the verse right before the two I just read. I just read 11 and 12. In verse 10, we find our answer why they wouldn't listen to God. It says, God says, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. But my people did not listen to my voice, and Israel would not submit to me. The reason they would not listen and submit to God 
because, was because despite all that they had seen, they didn't believe that God could truly fill them, that he could truly satisfy them. And instead of waiting on the Lord and trusting in him, instead what they did is they listened uh, to their own ideas and the desires of their hearts. Did you know that the Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked? kind of puts a whole uh, new meaning to listen to your heart or, or follow your heart, right? Because following your heart would then be a curse, not a blessing. Unless God has given you a new heart that trusts in him and desires uh, to listen and to, to submit to him, as we see in Ezekiel 36, 26. And so they, they followed the desires of their hearts and they listened to their own counsel instead of listening to God. And any time... We're confronted with the truth of what God has said. But instead, we choose to listen to our own desires and ideas. We are at risk of being turned over to those desires. Let me say that again. Anytime we're confronted with the truth of what God has said, but we instead choose to listen to our own desires and our own ideas, we are at risk of being turned over to those desires. We just read that in verse 12. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. But read this in other places like Romans chapter 1, verses 23-24. Paul writes, Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator. And so Paul says the reason they chose not to listen and submit to, to listen and submit to God was because they had chosen to put themselves on the throne of their hearts and worshiped their desires above God. And we're all at risk of doing this. Now let me be crystal clear. If you are a child of God, you will always be his child. Romans 8 makes that crystal clear. Nothing can separate us from God's love. But let me also say that there are many who proclaim to know and follow Jesus but never truly have. And Jesus tells us about this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 22 and 23. It says, On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now that's a scary verse, right? What Jesus is saying here is that you may have used my name. You may have the t-shirts and the bracelets. You may have given faithfully. You may have served in the kids' ministry. But we never had a personal relationship. And that's a scary thing. And so God handed them over to their sinful desires. You want it? You, you want to reject me? Here you go. You want this more than you want me? And he gives us over to them. And in reality, every sin, no matter how socially acceptable or deplorable it is, is evidence, guys, hear this, every, whether it's socially acceptable or deplorable, wherever it's at on that spectrum, is evidence of a heart that is not fully satisfied in Jesus. And it's a reaching out of deep and unfulfilled desires and longings. And if we don't feed ourselves the word of God, 
and drank from the fountain of living water. We will always try to fill ourselves and our desires with empty and damning things of this world. And that's why Jesus came and proclaimed, I am the bread of life in John 6. And I am the living water in John chapter 4. Because our souls will find true satisfaction and fulfillment in Him alone. So then what should we do when we're hungry or thirsty? When our circumstances press in on us, causing us to to doubt that God will deliver us. That He will uh, provide or come through for us. God says in verse 13 of Psalm 81, Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. Last week we looked at Psalm 62 and we saw God tells us to, to wait on him. Psalm 81, God is telling, listen to him. And if we want God to fill us with that which is lasting and true, we will open our ears to his word and listen to him. But guys, we've got to be in his word to hear from him. I'm not saying God only speaks through reading his word, but that's the primary way in which God speaks to us is through the Bible, his word. And so how do we listen to him and know that these words in our minds are his words and not lies of the enemy unless we're spending time in God's word and we know what his word says? We know what he's saying to us, right? So that's why it's so important for us to find time to be in God's Word and to be intentional and diligent about it. Because what happens is when we, uh, it's usually a slow fade and we just slowly stop listening to His voice through reading His Word. Then temptation comes, trials come. And we can't remember if the words we just thought in our mind was from Oprah or Jesus, right? We're like, man, I, thought, I think that's good advice. So we need to make sure that we're spending time in his word, feasting on it, filling ourselves with it, reminding us of his goodness and his kindness toward us instead of feasting on our own desires in that moment. And we'll remind ourselves that God does not, we need to remind ourselves that God does not withhold any good gifts from his children and what he has for us is far better than what we have for ourselves. And Psalm 81 ends like this, with God saying in verses 14 and 16, that if they would turn back to him, I would, verse 14, I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe toward him and their fate would last forever. But he would feed you with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. So God brought his people out of slavery from Egypt into a desert to show them that the real slavery that they needed freedom from was the slavery to their sin. That the real bondage that they were in was the bondage of belief that God wasn't enough for them. And so he brought them into the desert where he could show them he was all that they had. And maybe that's where you find yourself this morning. In a desert, and you're thirsty, and you're hungry. And you're looking all over to find joy and hope and life. And it's all coming up dry. Let me tell you why that's happening to you. Because God wants to bring you to the desert so you can see that He is the only thing that can truly satisfy you. And He is all that you have. You know, one of the greatest lies that we believe today is that God can do absolutely anything He wants 
except make us happy. I'm going to say that again. One of the biggest lies that we believe today is that God can do anything he wants except make us happy. Except fully, truly satisfy us and fill up the emptiness in our souls. And he says, open your mouth wide and I will fill those longings of your heart with myself. And you never have to find yourself empty again. Turn from the things that you've been chasing after that are pulling you away from God and turn toward Him. That's what repentance is. So we're going to end our time like we do every week. Just a time to reflect and to ask ourselves this morning. Where do we look in the desert of our lives? In those dry times, where are we looking? When we long to be satisfied, when our, our, soul, when our souls are thirsty, what are they thirst for? When, when they're thirsty for meaning and hope and love and acceptance, where do we look for those things? Where do we look to find that love, that acceptance, that hope and that meaning? Where do we look? Do we look to God? Do we, do we place it in Jesus? Or do we cling to something else? So I want to give us a moment to just reflect. And I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to close with singing a song.